is time for Open Line Wednesday with Dr. Michael Rydelnik. It's time to dig into God's Word and get your Bible questions answered. You do still have time to slide in with yours. You can text us at 800-969-9467. You can call with your Bible question, 800-969-9467. Michael, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Doing well. Glad to hear your voice. Are you doing well? Yeah, doing great. So glad to be with you today. What's new? Talking with all my friends from Indy. Well, yeah, (laughs) I told them that you're exclusively at their disposal. This, you know, on Saturdays, it's the Bible study across America. Today, it's the Bible study across central Indiana and east central Illinois. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Only from you guys. That's That's right. Yeah. Which, so. oh, by the way, just to remind all of you, too, uh, in case you were going back to the website and looking to enter for the Journeys of Paul Sailaway contest, that is closed, oh, yeah. and they're verifying the winner. So, man, ah. I still wish I could stow away. That looks like such a fantastic trip. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I'm, I'm glad I get to go, but we'll see if there's some way to get you stowed on board. I'll do it, okay? Yeah, I'm not, I'll find a way. I'm, I'm not getting in the trunk. That didn't work last time. It was uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. It's not happening. <laughs> hey, well, maybe, you know what? You could just room with Eva and I'll stay home. That that might work. That's <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're good on that. Uh, Eva and I would have a great time. <laughs> yeah. Can you uh, leave your wallet, though? Yeah, that's what I'll do. Yeah, okay. That we're, okay. we're, we're going to need that. Credit card or two. Yeah. We're, we're going to need yeah. that. Yeah. Hey, before we jump into the questions this morning, I saw something. Uh, we were talking about it a little bit earlier on the radio. I wanted to ask you about. Um, there was a report out of Gaza that um, they were saying that I'm trying to um, word this the best I can because I don't have it opened up in front of me. I apologize for that. Mm-hmm. Um, there uh, was a report that uh, roughly 200 Gazans um, had converted to Christianity. They said yeah. that they uh, had had visions or dreams about Jesus coming to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard anything that of that. Mm-hmm. No, I've not seen that report, but I do believe that that this is among Muslims who become followers of Jesus mm-hmm. that very often there's a, a vision or or a dream. I had a student who told that story. He was a, a Jordanian and he came to Moody and I asked him his faith story and he, he told me he was standing on the at the water looking from Aqaba, Jordan over to Eilat, Israel, which you can just see right across the water. In the Red Sea, it's like a little fingertip of the Red Sea, and he was looking across. It's, I mean, they're 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 sister cities; they're right by each other. And uh, he said uh, he was thanking God for the uh, Jewish people returning to the land of Israel. That's a rather unusual thing for a Jordanian mm-hmm. citizen to say, and asking God for the for peace and for a uh, a way of learning from the technology and helping Jordan with with technology from Israel. And as he did it, he had a vision of Jesus. And then he came to the United States to play soccer for a university and uh, ran into a young woman. He was getting his room fixed up and was in a, uh, a hardware store. And he saw a woman reading a Bible. He says, I just had a dream or a vision about this. And she said, come back tomorrow. And the next day she gave him an Arabic Bible. And and that's how he came to the Lord through that. 
but it started with that vision or dream that he had of Jesus. That is so fascinating to me. Yeah, I've heard yeah. so many stories like that. There is a, a ministry that we've worked with in the past, Fouad Masri and the Crescent Project, and he has shared so many stories about that because that's his ministry leading Muslims to Christ. And mm-hmm. I've heard story after story about dreams and visions, and that's where that begins. That's where they meet Jesus. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Yeah, it's very true. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, are you ready to answer some? But I, Bible? I, I don't know about the 200, but yeah, I, do I don't know either. That it's common. I yeah, don't either, so. but that's that is amazing if that's true, mm-hmm. and and I yeah. will celebrate that yeah. all day. Yeah. So. Yep, I agree. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to get to work? Ready. I've all got right. my Bible open. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. here we go. This is from William in Indianapolis. God is love, he says. So how could he hate Esau before he was born? Did Esau not have a chance at having God love him? Mm-hmm. Well, to start with. Uh, I think we need to understand love and hate as it's mentioned there in Malachi 1 and then repeated in Romans 9. Uh, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Very often in Scripture, uh, there's a nuance to the words love and hate, and they are choose and reject. It's really not so much about emotional feeling uh, or even a co- action of, of concern towards someone, which is what normally we think of as love wanting the best for another person and doing everything we can to achieve it. But in context like that, where it's talking about God loving and hating, uh, it's a matter of choosing or rejecting. And if you look at it, at the story of Jacob and Esau, God chose Jacob. He rejected Esau. That's what that's talking about. It's not talking about God's feelings towards Esau. <clears throat> and uh, I think that that is uh, an important, imperative uh, for understanding how it is that uh, that God acted towards them. So it's he chose and rejected. Then you see Romans 9, it's talking about God's choices uh, of the uh, of people versus rejection. And uh, it talks about how he hardened Pharaoh's heart and Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And it has to do with choice and rejection. So I would say that uh, not to think of the words love and hate as always referring to what we think of, but rather in that context of Malachi 1, and then its quotation in Romans 9, as choose and reject. And that's exactly what happened. He chose Jacob, rejected Esau. Okay. Yeah, I knew the scripture that he was referring to, because that used to puzzle me too. Um, Okay. William, I hope that helps you understand better. Uh, We're going to go to Matthews, Indiana. Becky has a question there. The Bible speaks in many places about the rewards that we'll receive in heaven, such as in Matthew 5.12, Matthew 6.1, Luke 6.23, and there are other verses too. She says, for me, just being in heaven is reward enough. Can you explain what these rewards are? No. (laughs) Okay, Becky. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, we we know that we'll receive reward. You look at 1 Corinthians 3, and it talks about our works being judged, mm-hmm. and that uh, those who, uh, how does it put it, uh, those who are faithful, those who are, are uh, their, if their works are not burned up, but made of, you know, and it's all a metaphor here, uh, it talks about that their their the works will be 
I'm going to read it to you. If anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test the quality of each one's work. So our works will be judged. And I think has to do with are they will be judged on the basis of motive, um, you know. When sometimes when people say when the Lord Jesus says that we do things for public acclaim, even if they're mm-hmm. good, we have our reward in full. Now, uh, if anyone's work that he has built survives, it goes through the fire. It's gold or silver or precious gems, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he will receive a reward. Doesn't say what it is. Uh, if anyone's is burned up, it will be lost, and he will uh, it will. Basically, it says he will suffer loss, but he will be saved, yet it will be like an escape through fire. So the person doesn't lose their salvation, but they do lose their reward. And, you know, when we think about the book of Revelation, that uh, believers are crowned, and then what do we do? We uh, toss our crowns at the feet of the Lord Jesus, who's the one that deserves all reward. So I'm not sure what the reward will be. You know, when we see part of what the... uh, outcome will be that uh, when the Lord Jesus talks about uh, may have to do with authority and leadership, uh, that uh, the more faithful we are, the more responsibility we will have uh, serving him in the kingdom Mm -hmm. and in eternity. But as for the crown or whatever it will be, I'm not sure. It talks about we receive an unfading crown uh, uh, of life, so a living crown. So those are some of the things that are talked about. But the specifics of what those rewards are, I'm not sure I could, I could detail. Yeah, we'll know soon enough, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm not, you know, uh, when my kids were little, if I say I have a surprise for you, and they was, well, what is it? What is it? What is it? And, and Eva would tell them, well, do you think Dad's going to give you something good or bad? <laughs> <laughs> and well good okay then be patient you'll see soon enough and uh so i remember doing that once when we took our kids to disney world they didn't know they were going you know and uh got got out of, we, they thought we were driving a friend to the airport he was actually driving us to the airport and then we got out and off we went to disney world they thought that was a pretty good surprise so the point being, we won't be disappointed with uh, God's rewards. Uh, I, may, I may not be able to specify them, but I know that they'll be satisfying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that story. Okay, Michael, from Susie in Indianapolis, and she's referencing Job chapter 2, verse 1. How can Satan be present before God along with the angels, the sons of God? Well, say, Satan is a fallen angel. Mm-hmm. So that, therefore, he is still one of the sons of God. And one of the things we see in Revelation 12, he was cast out of heaven first when he fell and took a, hundred, uh, uh, took a third of the angels with him, I think it is. Uh, and then later on, he's cast out again in the same passage before the end of days tribulation. So uh, it does appear that, that Satan has access to the throne of God. I, I I find it amazing that people are always like, how could that be that Satan can appear before God? Well, what does it say in Psalm 139 about anywhere we go? Even if we descend to Sheol, 
you're there with me. So God's everywhere. Why should we care if Satan is granted, you know, access uh, before God? I, I just, you know, I, I, it's not going to affect God. He's not going to be able to do anything. Even on earth, he can't do anything that God doesn't allow. Uh, by the way, the verse I was thinking of is uh, Revelation twelve four, where the dragon swept away a third of the stars in heaven and hurled them to the earth. That is the fall of Satan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, he tries to destroy the child born of Israel, of the woman, there in Revelation 12. And that has to do with his attempt to destroy the Lord Jesus. But then it, it breaks as you continue down uh, in the tribulation. What happens? The dragon is cast out again. So that means that in between his fall and... Uh, the end of days, he he will have access to God as God allows it. Uh, now, it sounds to me, a lot of times callers will ask me about that, and they don't agree with God's decision to allow that. And I think, well, you know, it's not, not for us to decide. So yeah. that's, yeah. It's not that they, uh, some of the people don't, it's not that they don't agree, they just don't understand it. Uh, you know, there are many things I don't understand, and I just accept it. Yeah, well, we don't have a choice but to accept it. I don't understand it either, but I know that he is good, and I know his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts, and he has a plan, and Mm -hmm. I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. So, uh, But he is cast out again uh, fully and finally, Uh, and and that's what happens. Uh, And, uh, you know, I I just think that, that... he can't tempt God. He can't hurt God. He can't test God. God deals with him. So, yeah, that's 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 what that's what we see. Uh, it says uh, in Revelation twelve that Satan comes down. He's cast down another time when God begins to establish the ends end of days. I like what you said. God deals with him, and God will deal with him. Oh yeah. Yeah, you read the book of Revelation. He's mm-hmm. cast out. He's yeah. destroyed. He's cast into the the, bit, the abyss uh, for a thousand years. Afterwards, he's cast into the lake mm-hmm. of fire. Yeah, he's he's not. Uh, he 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 can deal with him perfectly well. You know, one of the things that I appreciate that Erwin Lutzer often says, Pastor Lutzer often says, that even the devil is God's devil. God's mm-hmm. in charge of him. Yeah. He can't do anything that God doesn't allow. And I think that that helps me. You know, a lot of believers get very afraid of, should I pray out loud in front of Satan? Mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, yeah. listen, he's God's devil. He's in charge of him. I never have to fear him. Right. I think we, I, I don't, I, I think somewhere we get it confused sometimes that we think somehow Satan is on an even playing field with God. He is not. He's a created yeah. being. <laughs> yeah. And we've got to remember that. Exactly. So that's exactly right. Yeah, he's 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 under God's authority. Mm-hmm. God controls him, and nothing he does uh, can happen apart from God's consent. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think we got time for at least one more, Michael. Maybe two. Um, mm-hmm. Let's jump okay. in here. Mike from Indianapolis says, "In Genesis one, when the Spirit was hovering over the waters, was that over the earth that was in a state of confusion, or was that in heaven?" When you read Genesis 1, 
it says the earth was formed. I think in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I believe that is a statement that right at the, the beginning period, the, the very first thing that God did is he created the raw materials of what is the heavens and the earth. That's what he did. But they were not uh, formed. And then over the next six days, he formed them. And how does he do it? Now, the earth was formless and empty. Now, I want to be really clear. I don't think that's a great translation. I would say the earth was a wilderness and a wasteland, and darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. So it, it was this material world that had not yet been formed, and the Spirit of God was hovering. And the picture there is the way a bird hovers over things. Uh, that's the way the verb is used, over the surface of the waters. So I, th- I don't think that's, I think the question was that in heaven or on earth? It's clearly in the material world that God just created. I've never heard it explained that way. And I appreciate that because that's a, when I've read the account of creation, that's one of the things that I've always tried to imagine. And I, I've had that same question in my mind. I've never heard it explained that way that he created the raw materials and mm-hmm. then formed yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the word um, made, you know, that's used repeatedly, it's only, the word bara, which is create, is used of the creation of the heavens and the earth. It's used of the creation of, of life with the sea creatures. Uh, then it's used of the creation of humanity made in the image of God. It always is the initiation and something completely new. It's new and unique. It's initiation and uniqueness. But the other word that's used is the word form or made. And so what God does in the other days of creation, he's created the raw materials, but he forms them into what it is that, that he's going to make them into. That explains so much. Michael, I need to talk to you more often. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to stay on the boat. I got a lot of questions. When I stow away, you're just going to have to find a way to stay. (laughs) Yeah, I'll do my best. Hey, um, one last quick question I think we can work this into because CJ and Carmel has been waiting. Excuse me. Um, And I'm smiling as I ask this, and I know you're going to understand as soon as I ask this why I'm smiling. He wants to know, what are your recommendations for commentaries? Ah, <laughs> well, I, I think everyone should have a uh, Moody Bible commentary. I think it is mm-hmm. a wonderful commentary written by our faculty, and it really helps you as a basic commentary. But you know, it's it's one volume, so even though it, I think it's a million and a half words, it nevertheless is just a one volume commentary. And it would, it would, you know, if you're studying something more in depth, there's different uh, commentaries that are written about the whole, like individual commentary, that and the, and those vary from book to book. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I've tried to do through my career and life uh, even is to get one, that, like the best commentary on every book of the Bible. Uh, now that's because of, and, and sometimes the best three or four or five best commentaries if I'm teaching it, or maybe more. Uh, but nevertheless, when I was in grad school, I always tried to get the best commentary available on each book of the Bible. So I, I had one more in-depth commentary, and there's different kinds of commentaries. There are expositional, and there are exegetical, meaning mm-hmm. very much more detailed. There are popular commentaries. You get something by Chuck Swindoll. It's not the same thing as 
something that's exegetical. It's good and helpful and practical, like Wearsby, or but they're different. So I would say start with the Moody Bible commentary at the end of each uh, commentary in the Moody Bible commentary. There are recommended resources at the back uh, to say if you not in the back of the whole book, but in the, at each individual commentary gives you a recommended resource for each uh, uh, Bible book. Mm-hmm. And so you could, if you need more depth than what the Bible commentary can provide, then I would find one of those. All right. CJ, mm-hmm. there you go. I hope that helped. Mm-hmm. Michael, it's always yeah. great talking to you, and I want all of you to check out Michael's blog. You'll find that at uh, michaelrydelnick.org, and we'll look forward to hearing you on Saturday, 10 a.m. until noon for Open Line. Thank you. Great being with you. Hey, you you too. Take care, Michael. It is 7.55. We're going to be back in a few minutes and have our conversation with Aaron Damiani talking about walking with Jesus through the Lenten season. So I hope you'll stick around for that also. Thanks for all of your Bible questions. A great program this morning. Thanks to you and your questions. So if anything you heard this morning prompted a question in your mind, go ahead and text it in now for next week, 800-969-9467.